Hi there, my name's Adam Parr. I'm the podcast host, the Parr City Podcast. In this podcast, you'll be listening to me connect with people from different walks of life, from the military to people in the music industry to people in the self-help industry and many other areas of life. In this podcast, I'll be talking about topics from self-help, mental health, motivation, spirituality, mindset, society, current affairs, and much, much more. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, share, and let me know your feedback. My main intention on this podcast is to have a positive impact. For you, the the listener, to take something positive from it, to apply something positive into your life from this. Now, with without further ado, let's get into this podcast and enjoy. Hi, and welcome to Positive Podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Adam Grant. Adam is a peer recovery coach and a Jackson Area Recovery Community Coordinator at Home of a New Vision. In this podcast, we talk about Adam's upbringing and how Adam ended up facing 27 years in prison for a crime that he committed in the past. We also talk about mindset, spirituality, change and much more. Now, sit back, relax and enjoy this episode. Tuning in, trying to find out how to win. Go along and tell a friend. Marathon, you know the game. Keep on running, never end. Getting better, make a man. Adam got it, Adam got it, Adam got it, Adam got it. Possibility, 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 Tune in. Adam, it's, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? Pretty good. How about yourself, Adam? Good, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels strange, doesn't it, when, you, when, when someone says Adam twice? Um, it is. It's, yeah, I'm really well, thank you. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. And it's, it's great to connect with you. And uh, I, I, you know, when we first connected, you, you kind of connected with me. And you told me your name's Adam, and and the crazy thing is, is that your partner's name is Pa, and you kind of like said you, that you know, it's a bit of a weird sign. It is. It was a little bit of the universe working to line us up. Like I said, your first name is the same as mine, and my fiance's last name is Par, and so it's yeah. kind of like, yep, yeah, we're meant to, we're meant to talk. Meant to be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it, and. um yeah, like when you when we connected, like you you kind of didn't go too much into like what you know you kind of backstory and kind of you know who you are and what you're about, but uh, mm-hmm. you touched base on it, and I just thought you know to kind of go into that and kind of start off by you know kind of um, you know where you're at, kind of like you know where you're at now and kind of what happened that kind okay. of brought you to this place. If that makes sense. Okay, uh, where I'm at right now is I'm, I'm working a couple jobs and they're kind of in the social work field. Um, I'm a peer recovery coach and a certified peer support specialist. And basically what those are is they're lived experience jobs. So I've had 
my own bouts um, with mental health issues. I've had my own bouts with SUD issues, substance use disorder issues. Um, so, and I'm in recovery now. And so one of the things that I do is, is that I work with other people. I share my own experiences. I share, you know, things that have worked for me, things that didn't work for me. And sometimes I'm just a sounding board. Um, and in my other job, my other job's in the same field, but it's a little bit more of an organizational position where I'm the uh, Jackson Area Recovery Community Coordinator. And we put on different events and things like that to try and um, change the stigma associated with recovery and change the language that people use because we believe you know, language is powerful uh, and, and, and how we frame things decides how we see the world. So um, did you want me to go into a little bit about how I got here or did you want- Yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. How I got here was, I guess you could say I took the scenic route to this. Um, I turned 51 this year um, and I spent, I've been out of prison for the last 15 months after serving 27 years for a bank robbery. Um, and I've, I've been involved with the criminal justice system in some way, shape or form since 1982 when I was 12. Um, and I've been under some form of supervision, whether it be probation, parole, or incarcerated since 1985. So um, it's not the traditional path that a lot of people find, um, but it was the path that was meant for me. It was the path that revealed the most to me. And some people have to learn things the hard way, and they have to cure a little, little bit longer. Matter of fact, a friend of mine described it as this. Our lives are like ores. They're, they're just, an ore is nothing but rocks until you start to separate the impurities and stuff from it. And some ores require higher heat and more time, you know, to do it. And I guess I was one of those ores that took higher heat and more time in the smelter. <laughs> so, wow. Gosh, I mean, what, what, you know, like an experience you know, that you've had, you know, like in earlier life. And, you know, like you said, it's put you on this path. And, you know, for some people, certain things happen and they go through certain things and they kind of come around. And then, you know, like I said, something like yourself, you know, some things happen, you know, a little bit longer, you know, it's kind of process, you know, what was happening, who you are, you know, it's kind of, you know, analyze yourself and look at, you know, what was happening over a long poly period of time and sometimes you know like you know people have to go through certain things don't they to kind of become that person that they're you know need, needing to be and um, I think it's great now that you know you you're correct you know you're kind of giving back and you, you're doing something positive and something worthwhile you know helping other people you know help you know helping them with areas of your life that you was you know having difficulty with you know in the past I think that's yeah. what it's all about, isn't it? Using your experience, turning it around, and then using that to help, you know, other people. Absolutely. I've heard it, I've heard it said in different ways, and I don't know if I'm directly quoting um, someone else, but I know that that um, pain is not optional in life. There, there's gonna be pain in life. The question is whether or not we apply purpose to it. And I've found out that I can kind of endure anything if there's a reason for it. 
And I've found that, that most of the things that I have suffered in the course of my life, the traumas that I've suffered, whether they're self-inflicted or inflicted by others, um, have brought me to the point of a deeper understanding and an understanding that part of being human is to be wounded in some way, shape, or form. And I think that's missing in the world where a lot of people are just calloused and don't want to care, don't want the responsibility that comes with those things. And, and I, I did a lot of damage in those years um, that I was living on the other side of the track. So my, the rest of my life is kind of like an amends. And yeah. so that's what I'm, and it feels good to be making amends, to have the opportunity to do this. I didn't think I'd live to be 50 years old when I was robbing that bank or when I was, you know, stealing those cars or, you know, whatever the case may be. And here I am and I'm blessed that I hopefully have another 20 or 30 years to keep mm. making these amends and feeling yeah. good about it. Yeah. No, I, I love that. And I think like, you know, like, and that's it, you know, you, you put in the work and, you know, you've, you know, you've, Heal, you know, through that process, you've healed, you know, been healing parts of yourself. And, you know, like you said, you didn't think you would kind of reach this point. And, you know, now you're here, you, you know, you're wanting to put, you know, a positive dent in the world. And I think like what you said, people, they kind of avoid pain or they kind of don't think about it. And like you said, it happens, you know, like life happens and, you know, it's how you, you know, respond to that and what you do with it. And I think, is that quote, isn't it? I don't know who said it, but it's like, you know, life is suffering or something like that, or constant suffering. And I think it's I think it's a, one of the Buddhist, one of the noble truths of Buddhism or something that life is suffering. Yeah. yeah. And it's always there. And you know, it's happened. But I mean, I think like life's a bit of a wave, isn't it? You know, the, what you know, there's up and downs, and it's how you kind of deal with that. And sure. like you said, you was in um all these different situations. Like if you go back to kind of the bank robbery and just before that time like what kind of people was you around kind of what kind of got you sucked into that kind of place because i know like sometimes when you're around certain people and if things are happening in your life you can get kind of sucked into certain kind of communities and um tribes of people sure we all um we all have a tendency i mean i, I think about it like in a scientific standpoint that everybody Every organism seeks homeostasis, it seeks balance. So I think we as people have a tendency to do that too. So depending on how we view ourselves, um, we surround ourselves with people that somehow make us feel better about ourselves in some way, shape or form. And when you feel terrible about yourself, like I did, um, you surround yourself with people who it's easy to please who it's easy to stick out with. So it's it's not that hard to be bad. Um, I was pretty good at it. I mean, depending on how you look at it, I was a terrible criminal. I've been uh, uh, arrested for nearly everything I've ever done. Um, <laughs> but I was pretty good, good about getting into trouble and being less than my full self. Um, and so, yeah, I, I surrounded myself with people that it was easy to impress. Um, that I didn't have to do that much. I mean, you know, you could climb up something and jump off it, or, you know, you could go rob something and they were impressed and, you know, you had yeah. beer money for the next three days and, you know, you were good to go. That was a pretty easy way to go about things. Mm -hmm. I never imagined that I'd be serving nearly 30 years 
you know, in prison mm -hmm. for something that I did because I didn't think that far ahead. You don't think you're going to live to be 50. You mm -hmm. don't think that far ahead. So, yeah, no, definitely. And I feel like you said you get so sucked into certain groups of people and that people, you know, that people pleasing part of it, you know, doing things, you know, making them money, making that, you know, having that kind of probably some kind of sense of respect, you know, being around people doing certain things for them. And, you know, do you see that now with, you know, some people that you may work with um, or, you know, you see that people that they get sucked into certain kind of being around the wrong kind of people, you know, and, you know, having that support there for them kind of like, you know, as, as a mentor. I believe it is. And one of the things that, as you said that, it made me think about something in a way that I hadn't before, which is interesting because I work with a teen group and I'll probably use this epiphany that you just helped me with is I think it's even more difficult for kids and teenagers. We get to, we get to decide some things about our environment in a way. I get to decide where I work at and who I work with and therefore who my work family is and things like that. So I can choose that a little bit. You don't get much choice when you're a kid. You end up in school where you're at. Now you can kind of pick your cliques to some degree. Yeah. You can become the athlete or you can become the intellect or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, but you don't have a choice of basically what's in that barrel. So I still see a lot of people that are coming in right now that feel trapped um, mm -hmm. by their social circles. The place I'm working at right now has a, the uh, Jackson community has a pretty good sized homeless population and they mm -hmm. are all their own community a little bit and they can't just get away from mm -hmm. certain things. They're kind of stuck in it and they feel stuck in it. And part of what my job is, is to help them, to help show them other options and to be someone else in their circle who's got a mm -hmm. little bit of a different perspective. Mm. yeah no it's 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 such a you know rewarding role that you're in and you know i you know i'm, I'm really grateful you was able to kind of you know kind of have that space to you know kind of work out what you kind of worked out then and i think like it, it's it's so difficult you know like you said for people some you know there's a lot it's a percentage of people that you said like you said are born into situations they can't you can't choose um you know you, you can't choose your parents, you know, you can't choose what you're kind of put into. So I've just got my dog here one second. And, That's okay. Um, you, you can't choose, you know, these things that are happening. And, sure. um, and it is very difficult, isn't it? You know, you're, you're in school, you're around certain people, you've got your parents and it's trying to work out, you know, who you are in all of that as well. Right. And some of those things, like you're talking about, that you don't have a choice. Um, I did. I've done a couple things on my like LinkedIn account and Facebook account and stuff where I've talked about things like white privilege and the concept of I did all that time in prison, but I also got released into the world as a white male, mm. which changes things. So a lot of times I would go for job interviews and stuff. And the first assumption when I would write uh, Michigan Department of Corrections on my resume was they would assume I was an officer. So mm. it would get me into doors in a way that it wouldn't for other people. So that social location that you're, that, that you're born into, I mean, there's, it's, it's, it's so important that, that people are able to kind of get outside of themselves for a moment to understand that 
the concept of something like white privilege is not about everything has been uh, hunky-dory and everything's been handed to you on a plate. The fact is, is all the things that I've had to overcome, I could add to that if I was black and a male, mm. that would be a much different set of circumstances. Mm. Um, and I think that's perspective. And I think that's one of the reasons why I applaud what it is you do. I applaud what a lot of other people um, do like Emmanuel Acho with the, with the conversations, difficult conversations with a black man. Yeah. People having these conversations are necessary. That's what yeah. makes us human is communication. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah, definitely. So it's just what's your microphone, your t-shirt. Um, sorry, it just rubs a little bit on your, on your mic. Oh, okay. Um, okay. It, it, it just, it just, um, the, um, yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think, you know, people sometimes fear having certain kind of conversations because they fear the unknown or they fear that those things that have got a, a stigma attached to it. And, sure. you know, sometimes, you know, you have to ask certain kind of conversations to bring that clarity on it and, you know, to, to, for people to, you know, people to watch, you know, podcasts like this and conversations like this where they can see, you know, um, other sides to it and you know it's important to to go into sorry my thought it's important That's to have right. those conversations and and um like like you mentioned as well with um like stigmas and you know mental health and you know some of the people that you may be working with and those that need help like there's a lot of people who kind of label people sometimes especially, you know, people who probably come out of prison sometimes. People can probably label, you know, people like who've done time, like yourself. And I think, you know, it's so wrong that people do that, that mm -hmm. they, they have these stigmas because there's, you know, people who may be going through something in their life, you know, they're still a human being and there's so much more than just that stigma, if that makes sense, or that label. Sure. And I think one of the things that is also interesting is, is because there's a lot of different movements out there for stigma reduction having to do with a lot of different things. And one of the things that I sometimes think gets missed in the conversation is that there's two stigmas going on simultaneously at all times. There are internal stigmas and there are external stigmas. So a lot of times the person who's a returned citizen and has come back from prison has their own stigma about what it is, you know, to be an ex-con as they will label it a lot of times or how everybody else is looking at them. The same thing happens um, when you're in recovery. You start looking at, you know, some people do this and, and they have a tendency to, you know, well, I only drank or I didn't do this. And so they've still had to somehow categorize themselves in a way that makes them think feel better about themselves. And I think that's one of the most difficult things to battle with stigmas is mm. a lot of times they're in place because one group of people wants to feel superior to another group of people, you know, and that's yeah. a hard thing to battle. Most people don't want to feel equal. They want to feel superior because there's something else going inside that usually makes them feel inferior. So they're overcompensating. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think like, you know, that's kind of like, the kind of ties into probably the ego as well, you know, like people's egos and status and things like that. And um, yeah, I was just thinking as well, like when when you um, was in a situation where you was robbing the bank, like, mm -hmm. is there any 
in that time that it happened, I don't know how long, you know, it, it went on for that, 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 those moments, but 51 kind of, seconds, 51 seconds was it? 51 seconds. So go ahead though. I'm just, well, I, I know and, exactly. Yeah. The time. And, and, um, there was only moment that you kind of thought, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Did anything cross your mind like afterwards or during or before or anything like that? It did, but I don't, but it's, I'm so far from it. And I, and I don't want to, I don't want to frame it with somehow with revisionist history. So, yeah, yeah. because I, because I don't know how many times that I've, you know, recontemplated it, thought about it. And so I don't yeah. know which one is an actual memory and which ones that I've filled the blanks with. Yeah, yeah. What I, what I do know is what was behind it was none of it mattered. Yeah. I remember, I, re, I remember being able to, you know, turn it to, to logically say nobody's getting hurt in this. The the bank's insured, um, you know, so therefore nobody's getting hurt. But I walked into a bank with a shotgun. I told people to get on the ground, and that's traumatizing. And then what I didn't find out until I went to trial was that one of the women that worked in the bank, and this is one of the things that really. Um, helped me to realize how much I had to change my life and the kind of damage I was doing. She was in the back um, on a break and she heard us come in. And so she hit the alarm and then locked herself in the bathroom and would not let, unlock the bathroom door until the police showed up 20 minutes later. So in my mind, where I saw the timer and it was 51 seconds in the front door, out the front door, for that woman, it lasted 20 minutes of sheer terror, locked into a bathroom, not knowing what was happening, you know, to her coworkers and what may happen to her. So a lot of the stuff that was a deeper thought came after the fact where I really, you know, wanted to make a difference, but didn't think that I amounted to much, didn't think that I could make that much of a difference. Um, and I thought I belonged in prison and I finally ended up where I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I genuinely thought that the world was a better place, mm -hmm. you know, with me in prison. And for a while that was probably true. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Like you said, that situation and, you know, the time frame of how that took, you know, how like when that situation probably happened, things slow down, things are going fast. And when someone's in that situation, like I said, that person was in there for like 20 minutes, that, you know, going to feel like a lot longer. And I think, I think, you know, through your experience, you know, I think it's good that you've been able to really think about it and kind of own what happens, you know, because I think sometimes people do things and they probably don't take responsibility. Like you have to also ultimately kind of swallow what you've kind of, you know, done and say, I'm going, you know, I did this, I, you know, made mistake, uh, made mistakes and, you know, I'm going to turn it around. Like, and like you said, like, you know, in that, in that space as well, you know, a lot of people say, you know, you need to spend time alone to get to know yourself. Like, did you, yeah. like, before you went to prison, did you kind of like, did you like, I mean, when you was in prison, did you kind of feel like you kind of got to know yourself more? Because I mean, you, you, you know, there's a lot happening in that environment. Um, but to give you like that, that time to kind of, you know, really think. Yeah, I had an... Uh... You know, a lot of people who haven't been to prison, you know, really picture, you know, things to be a certain way. They, they've seen Shawshank Redemption and, you know, Green things Mile. like that. Exactly. Green Mile. So you start <laughs> thinking about those things. And 
and there's various levels depending on what state you're in, but there's various levels. And so they're constructed very different. My first, my first eight years were in a green mile Shawshank redemption type prison with the old bars on it. Um, um, the old turnkeys, you know, they would they'd crank and the whole, all the doors would open up at once and things like that. And I was in a cell by myself. Um, for the next 10 years, I was in a cell where I shared a cell with, well, for the next 12 years, I was in a cell where I shared it with one other person, which mm. is a whole different way of yeah. kind of reflecting and getting to understand how you work with, you know, other people. And then my last six years were in level one, where it's a pole barn setting where there are 160 people in one building with only half walls. So you're never alone. The only place that you're alone is in the shower and you're not even fully alone there because there's a sink with a, with a mirror that faces right towards the shower. Oh my. So I learned about myself when I was in a cell by myself a lot. I, 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 I didn't read for almost that entire period because I realized that was regurgitating other people's thoughts. And I realized I have to figure out who I am before I start filling my mind with other people's thoughts. So I started writing instead mm -hmm. of reading. Um, and I think that was huge because mm -hmm. I was journaling and things like that. And I really got to know myself and I found out some good things about myself and I started to fake it um, mm -hmm. for, for a while, you know, where I would do some good stuff, but I was also, you know, riding the fence and doing the other stuff. Um, and and it, eventually it came to a point that I learned enough about myself that it's like, you can't, you can't straddle the fence anymore. Either you've got to commit yourself to this better person that you found that you're capable of being, or you need to just go ahead and give up and go completely onto the other side. Mm. And, and I decided, and I decided that the part of me that wanted to give back and that wanted to be a positive force and a beneficial presence in the world um, was the stronger part of me. And so that was the one I started feeding um, and I committed to it and mm. it totally changed my life. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, I think it's really great that, you know, you was able to do that and, you know, you took responsibility, you know, for, for yourself, you know, to get to know yourself and to, you know, to work on yourself to, to decide, you know, this is the track I'm going to go on now. Like you said, you can't do both, you know, it's like you're just going to be back and forth. And like, it must be, you know, rewarding in what you do now and the projects that you're doing and, you know, to be able to help people in, um, in their lives, you know, and to see their difficulties and see their struggles. And you can probably see people in yourself, you know, through the people that you meet, or the, you know, the, the seeing their experiences. So I think, you know, you can't buy experience, you know, like it's, you know, your life experiences mold and shape you as a person. It's kind of, you know, what you do with them. Um, you know, do you, do you find that with people like, you know, that you kind of meet, you know? I think, I think part of what makes this job possible is um, that, if we look hard enough, we can all see a bit of ourselves in somebody else. I don't think we can fully recognize things in other people that we don't recognize in ourselves to some degree. Um, so it's extremely re rewarding. I'll go with another uh, paraphrase. I'm terrible with quotes, but I can usually catch the yeah. gist of it. And 
And I think it was uh, Eleanor Roosevelt. I used to think it was my grandfather who said this, and I found out that it was Eleanor <laughs> Roosevelt that said it. But he, he, they say they said, uh, um, learn from other people's mistakes because you'll never live long enough to make them all yourselves. Mm. And so I think we're communal people. We're 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 we're. Even though people, some people will isolate and stuff, those isolations are usually a product of trauma. It's our, it's our natural inclination as human beings to congregate and to talk and to share and to communicate and to create communities. Um, and I think that's what doing my job is. It's just community building. It's a, it's a matter of talking to people. It's a matter of listening to people. Um, and it's a matter of not, telling them what they should do but helping them find the way to the wisdom that already exists within them yeah i found with myself personally you could tell me all day what i needed to do and i'd mm. do the opposite you know <laughs> i had to make these things my own and i had to personalize them and i had to internalize them so the best thing is to get people to draw these conclusions themselves and make the changes themselves as opposed to having them imposed upon them from some outside force. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's a really great point. And I think like sometimes you see that with, you know, teenagers and, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting a label on teenagers, but I'm saying like sometimes you tend to not do something and they don't listen. And right. I think like, you know, in I'm 50 place, and I still do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and um, I think like, people need to kind of work things out for themselves, don't they? I think as long as you're supporting them in a, in a healthy space and you're saying, okay, you know, these are kind of your options and you let them kind of have that space to kind of figure it out. And you're just kind of supporting them. I think, you know, it's like we're coaching, trying to coach someone. If you're telling them what to do, you, you know, you, it's not going to work. You have to kind of let people kind of untangle that string, if that makes sense, themselves and kind of work it out, think about it. And they're probably going to feel better in themselves as well because it's like you know they're doing that they're putting in that work you know they're doing that yeah and then the only way that you really know that it's real is when you get tested um at certain times and then if you've internalized it, it becomes easier to do it took one of the reasons i think that I, my path had to include so much time in prison was because for a long time i thought i was fooling myself even when I was doing the right thing, I was like, yeah, but when stuff really gets thick, are you going to do the right thing? And so I had to be there long enough for stuff to get thick, you know, a few times. And, 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 and I did the right thing. I did so without hesitation. Um, it, there's a couple things that, you know, as we've been talking that make me think about, you know, part of my journey. And there's two things because there's a natural thing that people who are listening will probably think of as a question, like, do I have any regrets? Um, and a lot of people, you know, have regrets in their life. And I have, I have one regret in my life, which sounds crazy for somebody who's done as much wrong in me, in me, as me. The only regret that I have is that people got hurt. As far as doing all that time in prison, I wouldn't change any of it because I love who I am. I love mm. what I've become. Um, and I love the way that I view the world and I don't, then that would not have been the same without the same experiences. Mm -hmm. um, so, and that's a hard thing for a lot of people to do too, is embrace 
the things that have happened, including the not so pretty things, mm. you know, but without those things, I wouldn't be able to relate to some people. You know, you see a lot of people who've lived a pampered and sheltered life and just can't relate to somebody yeah. who's struggling, you know, somebody who's never experienced addiction before in their life. And they're like, well, why don't they just quit and do this? Mm. And mm. If it was that easy, they probably would. I know those things personally and intimately. So I don't cast those same aspersions on people that a lot yeah. of people do. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I've made really good points. And I think like you said, you know, kind of, you know, it's difficult that, you know, the thing like you regret is, you know, some people may have been hurt in, in you know, in certain situations, but, you know, like your experiences and, you know, who you are, you know, who you are today as a result from, you know, your experiences and your lessons and that you're, you know, you've been able to turn it around and you you can now help people and provide value and add goodness into the world, you know, and, and form these relationships with people to help them. And I think, like you said, um, you know, certain, certain experiences happen, like you said, like in your life, which then enables you to relate to people in a certain way. You can see things differently. And, you know, I kind of, you know, from talking to you, it's made me think about, I mean, I, I won't go too much into it, but, you know, about my past, you know, because and the things that I've been through, has enabled me to have kind of conversations like this to be you know the person I am as well today from you know the people I was around you know and the things I was doing because I was a kind of I can kind of relate to and I, I didn't go to prison I, I didn't I didn't do a, a robbery like you did but I was around the wrong people I was you know doing I was I was in trying to please and impress people at school you know I was a people pleaser you know I was running my ego I remember, um, you know, running away from the police at like 13 years old or something like that, 12 or 12, 11 years old, you know, with a bunch of people I was hanging around with, you know, all of these like, you know, all these different things. And then I had, you know, PTSD and anxiety, but, you know, all of that, it's all these experiences, isn't it, isn't it, that mold you as a person and kind of shape you so you can then do some, you know, choose to do something with that. Oh, ab absolutely. I mean, sometimes we, f we forget this, that, um, you know, the two of us are sitting here talking and we may share the first name, but the world needs Adam Grant and Adam Parr. Mm. And, and, and what makes the two of us is not just a genetic cocktail. It's our mm. experiences. You know, the argument of nature versus nurture, they don't even have that argument anymore because it's both. Our human yeah. experience has to do with our genetics, but it also has very much to do with all the programming that mm -hmm. takes place over the course of our life. So each one of us brings something, you know, mm -hmm. individual and unique. You know, that was one of the things that really helped me to, to, I didn't fully stop straddling the fence, but it started making me question that was, yeah. is that I had a volunteer that came in and we were having services because I practice Native American traditional ways. And we were having oh. service. And he and, and he said, we were having a conversation. And he said, you know, we really need you out here, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, I know you need people like me. And he stopped me dead in my tracks. He said, I didn't tell you we need people like you. I told you we need you out here. Mm. And I think that's the first time that I really understood um, 
the, the, the concept of uniqueness and the fact that I actually had something to offer the world that no one else could. Mm. That's, you know, cause you're always, we're always comparing ourselves to one another. Well, I don't do this that well. I'm not that good at this, but I am a unique mixture of all of mm. those things. And you never know when you're going to run across the person that needs exactly that mixture of ingredients that you have. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's really um, kind of it's kind of mind blowing, isn't it? When you think of it, you know, and you break it down and you think about, you know, like your, you know, you're like, you know, what you said, what a guy said to you that, you know, you are your, you know, your own person and, you know, you, so, you know, you have your set of kind of mission statement, if that makes sense, you know, you, you know, right. you have your purpose on this planet and there's no one else that's like you that's experienced what you have and you know who needs to do what you know you're doing if that makes sense it's kind of crazy Mm -hmm. isn't it but it makes sense doesn't it when you break it down and you add it all together it absolutely does if you really look at things i mean they're really not that complicated they're extremely complex and they're extremely simple all at the same time if you break down the universe if you break down things to a cellular structure if you break all of these components are necessary and they all have a purpose. They all have a function and all of us do as well. Um, I, we just need to stop trying to invade somebody else's space and take somebody else's function. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, we're so busy trying to, to trying to decide what is right. And, and I'll, I'll use this analogy. The, the way that most people parent is a pretty good example of, where I think we fall short as human beings a little bit because we've already decided what we're going to do with this human being before we've ever learned anything about who this human being is we've already decided that they're going to do this or they're going to do this this is how they're going to do that this is how they're going to do that we haven't figured anything out about their temperament yet anything about their personality anything about their natural skill set you know you're trying to make Joey be the next football star and he could be the next Academy Award winner. Yeah. You know, we're not even waiting to see what those things are. And I think we do that with one another. So that's where you get people attacking people because they're a different race, ethnicity, sexuality, gender, whatever the case may be. Anything that they find is an excuse to say someone is less than means they're mm-hmm. missing the mark because they're different for a reason. And we need all of them. We need mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think like like you mentioned, like people compare themselves a lot of the time and we kind of like, I think it's in, like you said, people's wiring, you know, like people, especially with parenting is a prime example. Like in the first seven years, like, you know, your subconscious mind gets, I think, programmed in the first like seven years, you know, like yeah. when you bring in, you know, a child. And like you said, people kind of wanting that they're thinking about their own status of how they look and how they're going to be proud before they've even you know that that child can even speak or walk or you know whatever and i think like you said that's a really good example and people just need to be left to their kind of own devices in some way i think you know like and you know supported because i think like you said that kind of it's where it gets things a bit twisted because people then have you know resentments and then they they think they're kind of handed like a blueprint or script by you know their parents and then they go oh, well this is you know how it is and then right 
over a period of time, they might realize and go, oh, hold on a sec, I don't actually want to do X, Y, Z. And um, yeah, I think like I said, parenting is a definitely key thing. Um, would you say like, you know, your environment as well? Like what was your kind of like, do you mind going into like your environment, you know, when you grew up? Like what kind oh. of environment was you like? I'm an I'm an open book. There's nothing that there's nothing that you can't ask me, and that I want yeah. to do my best to share because you know ex, that's what experiences are for. My environment was, I mean, it was interesting. Uh, um, uh, my mother was 15 when she had me, so we just had a yeah. Her and I didn't talk for a long time because of all the damage I'd done. We got an excellent relationship now, and poor, and recently we were talking about. You know, she was talking about our relationship and how it wasn't that good. And, you know, she kind of felt like she should have been a better mother. And I said, you know, we had a pretty good relationship as far as an older sister and a younger brother because she was 15. We grew up mm. together. She didn't know how to be a mom yet. I certainly yeah. didn't know how to be a son yet. Yeah. So we were both, you know, kind of figuring these things out, you know, as we went. Um but I had people who loved me. I had people uh, um, who had good intentions for me, but they're just like everybody else. They had their own issues. They, they mm -hmm. didn't know how to message certain things to me. I was a sensitive kid that took things mm -hmm. personally. And so when you told me, um, you know, when you talked about my potential, all I heard was that I wasn't living up to my potential. Um, I had religious influences and I had those religious influences from people who didn't practice what they preached so to speak because they were also sexual deviants um, and things of that nature so you're getting this one message in one ear and then you're getting this other message in a whole other realm of your life and, um, so I mean my upbringing is very similar to most people. It's a hodgepodge of things um, mm. that, that there were some very good things. There were some very bad things. And it's kind of human nature. Unfortunately, you have to work against it. It's kind of human nature to notice more of the bad things because that's what we had to do when we were surviving. Mm. You know, when we were surviving and evolving into the, you know, the, 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 the human beings that we are at this point in time, we weren't looking up at the stars until we figured out how to make fire so that we could cook our meat, and not have to chew it for four hours. You know, it's kind of the same thing is, is that we have a tendency to look for the problems. Um, and so sometimes, you know, that really skews our view and it takes us a while to be able to figure that out. And it did with me. I, I knew all the bad stuff that happened to me and I probably filled in the blanks of some stuff that didn't even happen but I had to consciously go back into my history and remember things like my mother taking me every summer before we went back to school. She'd let me pick a movie and just her and I would go to the movie and things like that. I hadn't remembered all that stuff for years. I had to consciously go back and get it. So um, my experience is probably, it's unique because it's mine, um, but it was troubled with also support systems. I know a lot of people who have a lot worse upbringings mm. than mine so i don't have any problem talking about it but i don't want anybody to take it the wrong way either if i yeah. if it ever sounded like i was using it as an excuse because i don't no 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 of course no it doesn't sound like any you know excuse at all and i think like you know i think like you had that like you said that support system in place but you know like you know 
there was still that kind of like you said you mentioned something that was pretty negative like you kind of wasn't bringing up living up to your potential or something like that i think that that's, yeah. that's crazy to, to have, have a child kind of think that do you know what i mean and, and that can easily be digested and kind of taken into you know into adult life and you think if you go into adult life i mean you know with that belief then it, you can see how it kind of goes you know how you might have got into certain kind of past you know what i mean yeah. if you don't think that you're gonna live up to your potential do you know what i mean it's um but yeah i think, I think quite- the i think the biggest part of that was is the fact that i thought i was a mistake because I was born to a 15 year old mother. And even though she never necessarily told me that the message that was coming around that, that I was, maybe I might've been an accident. I actually found out this year that I wasn't an accident. My dad and her were actually trying to have a child. Um, but nonetheless, everybody, you know, when there's a 15 year old mother, you get the message that somehow you're a mistake. And I transferred that. It's like the difference between shame and guilt. You know, guilt is when you've done something wrong and you recognize that and you correct your behavior. Shame is when you think you are something wrong. And I had that shame of it, of thinking that somehow I was a mistake. So I made my behavior go along with what I thought I was. So I just, mm. you know, well, what do you expect? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like a cocktail almost, isn't it? These different kind of things put together and it's like, well, let's shake it up and then <laughs> right. explodes. And, um, but, but I think as well, like, it's really nice that you've you know, been able to kind of reestablish that relationship with your mom, you know, me too. Through, through all that. I think that's really, you know, really nice. Um, as well, I just kind of thinking like the, the day you kind of came out of prison, mm. like what was kind of going through your mind? Like, cause I mean, that was just early kind of pre COVID you said January yeah. 2020, right? So yeah. About two months, about two months before COVID hit, I just got my first job uh, the week before COVID hit and I lost it because of COVID. But um, a lot of people, especially when you do 27 years, you know, that people think that it's going to be a huge um, readjustment for you. Um, And the word that my fiance and I kept using was seamless. Um, And there was, and there's a pretty interesting um, example of that is, is, I was sitting out on the porch one day and I got my, I got my flip flops on. I got my shorts on. I got a glass of ice water in my hand. I got my feet kicked up. Uh, Katie takes a picture of me. Um, and she says, I want to send this to a friend of mine named JP. I want to send this to JP so that he can see the free Adam. And so she sent it through a JPay to him and he wrote back and he said, Adam doesn't look any different. He must've been free before he went home. And so I think that's kind of what happened with me is at some point in time when I, when I decided that I was going to change, it didn't matter to me where I was planted. They say bloom where you're planted. It didn't matter to me. So I started living a life that I knew was transferable. I started working hard, made myself a schedule, was teaching classes, was involved in all the positive things that I could possibly get you know, involved in. And I got Mm. challenged in some ways, but I stayed on that track. So when I came out here and I faced discrimination because of my my history, when it came to housing, when it came to uh, getting a job, Mm. um, even being able to volunteer at some places, I couldn't volunteer at some places. I'd been told no 
for the last 30 years. So that wasn't mm. anything to me. I just went on to the next place and went on to the next place. And eventually doors started opening for me. And some people started to see um, that I wasn't a liability, that I was potentially huge for their company. And the current, uh, my current employer, Home of New Vision, um, the CEO was involved in my second, um, in my second interview. And it was pretty amazing. It was obvious that she wanted me to, to be working for her. And she stopped at one point and she said, do you realize you're a miracle? And that's pretty powerful. Mm. Yeah. And that's just, and that's just somebody looking at what you did, realizing, you know, yeah. you put in the work and, 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 and you should be rewarded for it. She yeah. hired me for a job that probably nobody else would have. So, yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. That's really, you know, awesome and i think you know like kudos you know to like you for like getting that position and i think it's it's given that it's been given that chance and the opportunity you know to to use you know what you've been through and you know you know and where you're at and someone's seeing you for who you are now do you know what i mean yeah yeah and i think that's so key i mean it's so key that people see each other for who they are now and they're not judging someone based on whatever happened however long ago because you're not the same person you no. know like people evolve and change you know and it's it's lovely that she's given you that opportunity that position you know and she saw that in you you know yeah and neither and and change change is inevitable i mean we all change we don't necessarily recognize that you and i will walk out of um this this meeting and we'll both be changed because we've both been influenced by the other. That's, that's what's supposed to happen. And I think a lot of people waste a lot of time and energy putting on these you know, suits of armor to protect themselves from imagined um, you know, yeah. issues that are imagined uh, uh, things that are attacking them. And mm -hmm. they bring those old wounds. And I use, I use that analogy in my classes a lot of times where I talk about you, know, you had this suit of armor that you had to get through life with. And I'm not yeah. talking about the chain mail one. I'm talking about the old big steel one Jed ride a Clydesdale <laughs> to get around with. And, and so you've been in these battles and somebody's hit you with their broad axe and hit you, mm. you know, with these big heavy swords. And so you've got all these dents in your armor. Well, people forget that they used to have to take those back and pound out all the dents. Mm. And a lot of us are running around with armor that still has these dents in them that are restricting us as opposed yeah. to protecting us. They're inflicting pain on us. Mm. And so I use, I use, I know I'm full of analogies and I go off into tangents. No, that's fine. But, no, that's fine. That's a great example. But there's another, there's another thing that, that in the same realm that instead of being that person, I realized that I was more agile when I took the armor off. And not only that, but I needed to go into battles so I describe mm -hmm. myself as what I call an emotional fireman. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is, is firemen are crazy. When everybody <laughs> else is running out of a burning building, they're running into it. And so as an emotional fireman, whenever I see something that makes me uncomfortable, the majority of people, when they find something that's uncomfortable, they avoid it, they run from it, and they yeah. don't want to face it. I run into it because I know that's exactly where the growth is going to take place. And so then when I see this thing, 
um, in a dark alley somewhere. It doesn't scare me the same way anymore because I've already faced it and I know I can. Mm. No, I, I, I think that's a really great, I think that's a really great, um, you know, like perspective. And I think from where you stand and I think like that's definitely, I think how we should be as a human being, you know, we're not put here to kind of sit through this nice kind of comfortable ride. And I think you kind of are here for a reason. I think, you know, you're here to grow, to learn, to change, develop. And I, I really like, you know, what you said there, like emotional firemen. And I think that's definitely, you know, what, you know, we should be doing, do you know what I mean? We should be seeing what, you know, where am I going to grow in this, you know, situation and going into that and falling, you know, stepping forward. And, you know, like you said, with the armor and those, you know, the bumps and the dents. And you, you said like previously as well, like, you know, you went for different positions and you kept getting no's. And I think like you said, like, Wait, after a certain amount of time of getting so many no's, it doesn't affect you the same. And a lot of people sometimes, you know, go into that adult life and, you know, they might not have had many rejections or many no's, but when they do hit a no or a rejection or something happens, they don't know how to deal with it too well. And I think, like, do you see that in people? Like, do you, you know, like there's kind of the world that we live in, like people can go on Amazon Prime and order something the next day and get it, you know, right. like, it's it's very kind of instant it's very comfortable for you know a lot of people and i mean there's nothing wrong with being comfortable in some sense but there's that sense to it where it kind of be a detriment like sometimes you have to kind of go through pain you have to have rejection and and difficult times because it makes you strong and resilient yeah that was the word the exact word that i was going to use was resilient because that's one of the the, the, the main difference between me now and then, because I went to prison once before this. I did a two-year prison sentence before this. I went to the county jail. I've got oh, a couple gosh. years in there. I've done 31 and a half years of some form of incarceration. So, But I wasn't resilient. When something would go wrong, I wasn't up to the stand. I wasn't up to the challenge. Um, but, but going back to the idea of this instant society that we're in and the disposable society too, if this doesn't work, I throw it away and I, and I get another one or something like that. I think it's done a lot of damage. And I think one of the things that I work with a lot of my clients on is putting symbolism back into their life. You know, ancient societies had a lot of symbolism, whether it was your coat of arms, whether it was a medicine wheel, whatever the yeah. case may be. Everywhere you went in the village, everything meant something. So when you saw it, it meant something. Um, and in the native traditions, you see it in every color. You see it in every animal, in every tree. There's a symbolism behind that that helps to keep you on track and remind that you remind you that you have a bigger purpose. In this materialistic, disposable society, most people see their purpose, if they see it at all, as something really small as opposed to how actually huge it is. And they're like, anybody else can do this. Think about this, when you ask somebody who they are or what they are, what's one of the first things they usually go to? Their job yeah, or their titles. You know, who I am and what I was created to be is a beneficial presence. And that's a pretty, it seems to be a big order, but it's actually pretty simple. 
All it requires of me is show up and to do my best to be beneficial while I'm there instead of detrimental. Mm. And just like this, just like this conversation, I showed up and I'm doing my best to be yeah. beneficial to anybody who's listening. Yeah. No, I, I love that. I really love that. And I think that's, that's you know, such a, a great way to, you know, like kind of say it um, is, you know, showing up and, and, you know, looking over all those other things that are quite materialistic and looking at that deeper meaning and that purpose of, you know, why we're here and, you know, what we can do with our experience and, you know, showing up, you know, I think that's, that's like, you know, a lot of times people don't show up because of fear and, you know, they don't think they're good enough. And like you said, all these kind of things that hold people back. And I think like, you know, like you need to be, you know, in the, the word that you mentioned, um, I remember you said, uh, you, I can't remember the words you mentioned, but you said like to basically be good and be of service, in, you know, in some way. Beneficial presence. Beneficial, beneficial presence. Yeah. Yeah. That's the word. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, we make things more complicated. Like I said, we make things more complicated than they need to be sometimes. And, and, we do the same thing that I talk about with parenting with our kids that we mm. do with ourselves because we're always mm. parenting ourselves too. We don't pay attention a lot of times to the, to, to the signs of who we're meant to be and what we're meant to do. Like one of the things yeah. that I changed when I started doing this job was, is they'd have a sign in sheet for the members that would come and attend. They would have, mm. you know, their name, their contact information. Um, and if they were interested in volunteering, well, I'd get the list and I don't know what anybody's skills are. I don't know what they bring to the table. So one of the first things that I did is, is put a special skills section in there. Because if your thing is painting or writing or something like that, why would I have you cutting the lawn? Mm. You know, I want you to be a part of the community. And we forget that too. In the more ancient times, everybody had yeah. a There was the butcher, there was the baker, there was the blacksmith. Everybody mm. had, a, had a purpose and a role and they had a strength. And I think that's one of the things that's missing for most things that we do these days is they're not strength-based approaches. We mm. need to build people up to be the best versions of themselves so that yeah. they do it for the next person instead of this competitive crabs in a bucket where everybody's pulling everybody down. Yeah. No, definitely. I think that's a really, really important point you made. And um, I think like, you know, people in companies, you know, sometimes just get into certain positions and they're not having their strengths kind of acknowledged or they're not being listened to to kind of use their strengths. I think, like you said, it's definitely the situation that we're in where companies need, I mean, there are some companies that do, do, you know, help people. Um, mm. But I think that's definitely, you know, the thing that we need to kind of work on, you know, for companies to support people in their strengths. And if they're good at something, say, oh, well, we can use you in this department or we can help you in this. I think, that's something that I think is really key that, you know, you touched on and something that you're putting in place by when you meet people, you know, seeing their purpose and their strengths and using that, you know, that to where they can work on it. Um, yeah. Instead of being a tickle me society where everything is about, you know, let's satisfy me in this moment and having this really narrow version of happiness. I think about the Greek version of happiness, which was eudaimonia. Um, and there are multiple uh, uh, definitions for it, but my favorite definition for it is um, um, 
the unfolding or or you know it's this idea it's this idea of unfolding mm-hmm. um and and getting something greater out of you know life it's not it's not this really narrow version of things and i think when we do a strength based model people experience a real happiness instead of just a simple joy mm-hmm. yeah definitely often often that's so true and i think it's great that you're you know you're putting that in place and you know you're you're helping people so much in, in what you're doing and i know i know um we're thinking of time but um but like, i just want to say like you know it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast and you know talking to you and i'm really really grateful you know to have this opportunity to talk to you and um i just want to say be here. no you, you're welcome you're welcome and um i just think like you know i wish you all the continued success and you know, with what you're doing and helping other people and, you know, your journey. And like, where kind of people find you on like social media or LinkedIn or website at all? Um, I'm working with a friend of mine who's still incarcerated on a, on a concept that's called Wholeness Engineers. Mm. So it's, it's wholenessengineers.com, um, just the way that it sounds. And it's kind of got a double meaning for the engineers aspect because engineers build and design things, but mm. they also drive trains. And so yeah. what we're trying to do is we're trying to drive this idea of wholeness, which is the simple concept of right relationship. So yeah. you can find me on wholenessengineers.com or you can contact me directly if you would like to at their life matters 500 at gmail.com. Yeah. No, awesome, Adam, and I and I put all those links in the in the bio as well. And um, yeah, no, I'd love to connect again sometime. We can always, you know, we can always hit up and uh, do some more of these if you ever like to. But um, I definitely absolutely. Touch. And um, no, all the best. It's been a pleasure. All right, thanks, Adam. You're welcome. Hi, and thanks for tuning into the Positive Podcast. I'd just like you to take a few seconds to check out my good friend's business. Jara Young creates Marla's beads, bracelets, necklaces, waist bracelets, and many more amazing items and pieces of jewelry, necklaces, and earrings, and much more. She uses crystals, gems, gold, and lots of other amazing accessories that piece together these amazing bracelets that she creates all by hand. She's a really good friend of mine, and if you check out her Instagram, it's Jara Young Designs, J-A-R-A Young Designs. And if you go on her link, you can check out her Etsy page. I'll also be, also be putting the Etsy page in the bio as well. So please check out her awesome content and her awesome jewelry that she makes. Thank you. Hi, I'd just like to say a massive thank you for listening to the podcast. You can also check out the podcast on YouTube at The Power City Podcast. You can also check out my Instagram at Power City 94 
where I put lots of podcast clips and snippets and a lot more content as well. I really appreciate you supporting me in my podcast and supporting me in my content. It really, really means a lot. Any feedback, any questions, any queries, you can email me at thepolicypodcast.gmail.com and I look forward to hearing from you and connecting. Take care. Hi, and thanks for listening to the Pauses Podcast. If you yourself has a story that you'd like to share to be on the podcast, please let me know at thepauses at gmail.com. Or if you know somebody that has a story that they would like to share or their experience from life, please tell them to get in touch with me at thepauses at gmail.com. Um, so yeah, see you soon. Take care.